welcome, King of Kings family. So happy to be with you again today, and this is a very special day. As many of you might already know, this is Passover. So we want to say Chag Pesach Sameach. We want to say a happy Passover holiday to all of you. We're so happy that you honored us by connecting in. We want to honor you by bringing you the Word of God today. Uh, we, it was a lot of depth here in the Passover season. Get with your community group, see what they're all about. Let's learn a little bit more about these God-appointed times. One thing we do traditionally as we move from a regular day of the week to a holiday is we thank the Lord for His appointed times. We say, Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Blessed are you, Lord our God, you're the King of the universe who gives us life, who sustains us, and enables us to reach this season. So again, Chag Pesach Sameach to everybody. Let's dive into the Word of God in just a few minutes and, and really let Him bring richness of the holiday. Now we know that we're starting with Passover and now we're also entering into the Chag Hamatzah. This is the week of unleavened bread. And just a few days from now, we will be connecting with the Bikurim, the first fruits. As Paul said, Yeshua was the first fruits from the dead. We call that Resurrection Day. So we're excited about what God is doing uh, through these feast days of the spring. And we trust you're getting deep revelation here as well. I don't have any new regulations to to report from the Israeli side. So thank you everybody who's joining us in the house tonight. Those of you watching online, welcome. Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube. Those watching on archive or the website, we welcome you to Jerusalem and King of Kings Community. Listen, we're open, come visit. There's no substitute from being in the room together. So come back to the sanctuary. We have lots of options, whether you're purple badge, whether you're green badge, whatever you need to be, we've got you covered. We just wanna make space for God's people when they want to worship together. Come back and join us. We're open. We have options for you. We also have some wonderful classes coming up. You're going to get more details on our discipleship semester. Starts April 14th. Also, we have some academy classes coming up soon, and we want you to connect. So here's the best way to do that. Go to our website, kkcj.org. Make sure you sign up for that newsletter so you're not left behind in anything, okay? So we're ready to dive into the Word of God now, and I, um, I want to let you know that each year we study through the Feast of the Lord. And this particular year, I didn't get very far. It, the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, really captured me very early on. I was in Exodus chapter 3. I barely got into the Passover story. Exodus chapter 3, verse 3, and this is what grabbed my heart. It says, So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. So what are we talking about? What's the context? Well, Moses has left Egypt. He's been in the desert. He's been in Jethro's family for a while. He's become a shepherd. And he saw the bush burning as he was tending to the flock and seeking out one of the sheep. Now, when he saw the bush, he went over to it. And the first thing that amazed him was that the bush did not burn up. And he pondered and he wondered why. And that's why I stopped. And I thought, well, here's Moses. And he doesn't even understand why the bush is not burning up. So I gravitated toward that. I really wanted to focus on that. I meditated, just stayed quiet for a few minutes. And I said, Lord, what's going on here? What are you displaying about yourself? And I felt like the Lord had given me this word. He said, I don't deplete 
That means I don't get smaller. I don't run out. I, there, you, you can get something from me, but I'm still as full as I was before. I don't deplete. I was reminded of this in the, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verse 19 through 21, where Yeshua feeds thousands of people. We believe probably over 10, 15,000 people based on the text. Let me read it to you. Let's read that passage from Matthew 14. It says, And Yeshua directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So 5,000 men plus their wives, plus Israelis have a bunch of kids. So we know probably 10, 15, maybe 20,000 people he fed and he didn't get smaller. He actually got bigger. He would take the loaves and the fish. He would break it and bless, start handing it out. They had more in the end than they started with. The bush is burning that Moses sees, but it's not burning up because of one of the principles of God that he doesn't deplete. He never gets smaller. He never runs out. What an incredible message we need to grab hold of today in these trying times and in this special season of Passover, that God is more than enough. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight, it says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Hopefully you caught several of those words. The first word used was abundantly. He will bless you abundantly. So that in some of the things, no, it says in all of the things, some of the time, no, all of the time, some of what I need, no, all that you need, then you will abound with every good work. You see, God is more than enough. And this is what the Israelites experienced coming out of Egypt. That's why, friends, hopefully you joined with us in the Passover Seder meal with your family or community and you sang the Dayenu. It would have been enough. God, if you had just taken us out of Egypt, that would have been enough. Or if you had just given us uh, freedom from slavery, that would have been enough. Or what about rescuing us at the Red Sea? That would have been enough. Or what about the Sabbath? Thank you, what a gift. That would have been enough. And God says, yeah, but I'm not just enough. I'm more than enough. You ever wonder why we're not just conquerors? We're more than conquerors? Because we're made in his image. We're children of the king. We're co-heirs. And if he's more than enough, then we're more than Conquerors, because we're like our father. So we sing the Dayenu because it's not just protection from plagues, but it's new life, it's new land, it's new people, it's new law, it's salvation, the Holy Spirit. There's so much that God keeps pouring out. And I want you to grab onto that this Passover season. And when God was delivering us from Egypt and he, he was calling down the plagues, I want you to think about this. It wasn't difficult for him. You see, I don't want us to have an impression that when the enemy attacks, somehow God has to fight really hard to defeat Satan, when in fact he doesn't have to fight him hard at all. It's not hard for God to break his people out of Egypt. It's not hard for God to cover his people and, and protect them from the plagues. God is the God of more than enough. You will have abundance. You will have it all things, all times, all you need. And what the Israelites needed was God. 
to rescue them. He destroyed the gods of Egypt when he was giving the specific plagues. God doesn't do random. The plagues were not random. They were specifically designed to defeat the gods of Egypt. Um, we had a community activity recently, and, and uh, Ann Hilsden was sharing with us some of the names of the gods of the Egyptians, the god of the Nile River, or how about Isis, or how about Ra, the god of the sun, you know, the god of health. Isis was the god of health, which is interesting why God brought the boils that Isis could not heal. Interesting that he was attacking these false gods because he's more than enough to deliver his people. But God had been doing that, and God continued to do that to show his people that he was what they needed. It wasn't just that he destroyed the gods of Egypt through the plagues. I'm reminded of 1 Samuel chapter 5. There's another god, there's another idol, and Elohim destroys this one. Let me read it to you. It says in 1 Samuel 5, after the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, see, they came and they stole the Ark of the Covenant. They took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then they carried the Ark into Dagon's temple. This is the false god called Dagon. They carried it into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon, the false god. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him back in his place. So basically, there's the Ark of the Covenant. There's this false statue that must have been very large. And during the night, our God pushed over or caused the idol to fall down and to bow down in front of the Ark of the Covenant. What an amazing story. He's the God of more than enough. It's not hard for God to fight our enemies. Hear me on that. It is not hard for our God to fight our enemies. He can do it all day long. They kept putting another God in front of him. He kept putting another plague out there. How about this God? Well, he would give another plague. What about this idol? Well, he'll bow down. It's not hard for God to destroy our enemies. And we need to grab a hold of this promise because God is the one we run to. God is the one we need to call on through the blood of Yeshua, of course. I was reminded as I said that out loud, you know, God can do this all day long. My, my children love some of the superhero movies. And in one of the superhero movies, this one guy, he's fighting the enemy and they're punching and they're fighting and they're fighting for, you know, good and for justice. And, and this one uh, soldier, he, he beats like a hundred bad soldiers. And then they bring another wave of, of, of another hundred soldiers at him. And even though he's been fighting for a while, Somebody says, hey, are you getting tired? And he says, no, I can do this all day. And I was reminded of our God who, who that's how he presents himself to all of our enemies. He's been fighting for us and they send another enemy and another deception and another sickness and you know, whatever it may be, another bondage, another addiction, another pain, another disappointment. And God says, listen, I fight for my people. I'll do this all day long. Take that with you today. It's an encouragement. Because in the same way that God can keep destroying our enemies and he can keep fighting the evil one, he can keep corrupt leaders where he needs them or remove them if he wants. You know, he can continue to keep his covenants. He can continue to keep loving his people. And this is really where I wanna go for the next few minutes of encouragement. This idea of God being a covenant keeper, being a covenant God who will love without end, who fights for his people and he can do it all day long, no matter what the obstacles 
thrown in front of him are. Listen, there are some words we use as we try to describe life around us, and we don't always choose the, the perfect words, but, but sometimes we choose words, and sometimes these words are made up words because we're trying to express something that there's not already a word for. And so sometimes we make up words, but they fit. Let me give you a few examples. There's a word we use at King of Kings called voluntold. It's a combination between the word volunteer and you've been told. So when you've been voluntold, it means you've been told you need to volunteer. So volunteering is supposed to be by your choice, but we're telling you, hey guys, we need help. Would you please help us? We're telling you to volunteer, so it's being voluntold. Another word, and I want to give credit to Pastor Kurt Vetterling, who was formerly on our team for using that word. I remember Carol Ketchum used to use this word a lot called prepared. Now, you've heard of the word prepared, but this is a different word. This word is called prepared. It means to be prepared by praying. You become prepared by praying to the Lord. Carol used to use that word. Me and my wife, we used the word for some of our children when they were going through those squirrely seasons. They were out of control. They needed to be disciplined. They needed boundaries. They were acting spastic. Their attitude was nasty. We came up with a word that we called spasnasty. It means they were being spastic and their attitude was nasty all at the same time. We would call it, stop being spasnasty. Well, there's another word I want to introduce to you today. It's, it's probably not a real word, but it really hits the nail on the head of our God. And it's a word called stick to It's not easy to say if English isn't your first language. stick to It's a combination of the word sticking to something and the essence of continuing to do that. It's not just sticking to it once, but always sticking to it. So somebody is uh, you know, exhibiting stick to when they have the ability to stick to a principle regardless of the obstacles that are in front of them. You might remember several months ago, Pastor Mike mentioned in one of his sermons how sticky God is, that he, he has the ability to stick with us through our hard times. Well, this is how God keeps his covenants, that he keeps giving, he keeps protecting, he keeps loving. He's, a, he's not a God who ever depletes. He never gets smaller. He only continues to give out of his great love. Nehemiah chapter one, verse five mentions this. He says, then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. You see, to God, love is a covenant to never be broken. As a matter of fact, God keeps his covenants when his people break them. God never breaks them. We do, but he doesn't. That's, shows part of his stick to the ability to stick to a principle regardless of the obstacles that you face. God sticks to the principle of covenant even when the obstacle is his people, us, breaking the covenant. This was certainly on display regarding the deliverance of the Jewish people out of Egypt. You know, they were calling on the name of the Lord and God was remembering his promises and his covenants to the patriarchs. He was remembering his covenant to Abraham when he came and rescued the people of Israel out of Egypt. Daniel chapter nine also grabs a hold of this stick to of God's love. He says, I pray to the Lord, my God, and I confess, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and who keep his commandments. So the prophets and the patriarchs, 
they picked up on this ability that God grabs a hold of a principle and he's tenacious. You know, he has a, a, a lot of perseverance that he will see us through whatever we need and he fights for our enemies without getting tired and he can do this all day long. So not only can God fight our enemies without getting tired, he can keep his covenants despite our failures, but God continues to love us even when it seems like we should not be loved. Psalm 69, 13, but I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And Romans 8, 38, very famous verse, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Yeshua, the Messiah, our Lord. You see, God's love, it's, it's a constant. He has a lot of stick-to-itiveness. We fail him, but he never fails us. We break covenant, but he doesn't. The enemy keeps fighting, but God keeps resisting. The enemy sends the next idol, and God keeps protecting. You see, God has this ability to do it all day long. He's very tenacious. He has stick to That's a good word for us today. Now, we know that God doesn't give up. We know that God doesn't write us off in our weakness. As a matter of fact, if you're already a believer in Yeshua today, you know that God did not abandon you in your time of weakness. If you are not yet a believer in Yeshua and you're watching this today, I want to encourage you. You have one person who will never, ever leave you. And that is our Father, God in heaven, and his expression of his salvation in his son, Yeshua. It's one God. It's not two people. It's one God. But it's the God of heaven becoming our blood atonement on earth, our Passover lamb, if you will, here on earth. He didn't want to leave that to someone else because he's so connected to his creation. He didn't want to leave that task to someone else. No one else could measure up. We needed God himself, and that's what we have in Yeshua. The Passover story of taking the lamb and putting the blood on the door, being rescued out of slavery, walking through the waters of the Red Sea, being at Mount Sinai as a free people but receiving the law of God, all of that is really the microcosm of the bigger picture, which is the salvation plan of God, that we were saved by the blood, we were we were redeemed from sin. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer in bondage. We, we came out of that lifestyle because of the blood. We were protected. Then we found ourselves going through the waters. That's the immersion or the baptism that we, that we face as new believers. We left one land and we encountered through water a new land. We were no longer in Egypt anymore after that water. We don't go back to the land of slavery but we find ourselves submitting to God at the mountain, receiving the Torah, the law of God. And this is the plan of salvation explained through the Passover story. But he never writes us off in his weakness. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. Romans 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. You see, remember, God delivered the Jewish people while they were still slaves. 
He didn't wait for them to free themselves and get their act together and, and build a great nation and to be the star of the show and then come to them and say, oh, now you're my people because of what you've done. You've done such a great job. You, you've cleaned up your life. You've set yourself free. You've, you've put everything in order. Now you can be my people. No, that's not how it worked. They were slaves. They were in bondage. They didn't have a way out. They called on God and he rescued them. And that's how it is for us, that we didn't clean ourselves up. We can't take away sin. Dirty hands, because of sin, can't wash clothes, right? The hands have to be clean. And the only hands that were truly clean were God's. God didn't call on the Israelites because they were so mighty. He called on them because they asked him to. He delivered them because they called on his name. Let me give you one of our key phrases here today. God deals with every roadblock put in front of him or in front of his people in order to accomplish his plans. God deals with every roadblock put in front of him or his people in order to accomplish his plans. What does that mean? That means it doesn't matter what Satan throws at us. It doesn't matter which idol. It doesn't matter which plague is in front of us. It doesn't matter which sickness or challenge or trial. It doesn't matter because God can do this all day. God has stick to God never breaks covenant. He never stops loving. He never stops giving. And every roadblock that's put in front of God or us, he deals with it. We don't have to deal with it. We tell him we need his help, and he deals with the roadblocks to accomplish his plan. Let me give you some examples from the Exodus story. When we first see the people of Israel in slavery, they don't even have a leader. But God sends them Moses. The roadblock was they didn't have a leader. How could we come out of Egypt? How can we be delivered? We don't have a leader. God says, not a problem. I'll send you Moses. So they say to Pharaoh, let us go. And Pharaoh says, no, I'm not letting the children of Israel go. So God says, fine, not a problem. You want to put a roadblock in front of me? I'm going to destroy your gods. Here are the 10 plagues. So you said, no, they're not free. Great. Take the 10 plagues. Now, we have no protection from the death angel. The 10th plague is coming. What do we do? That's the roadblock. That's the challenge. God says, I've got this. I'm sending you the theology of blood atonement. The innocent lamb will die and the blood will save you from the 10th plague. We, we didn't have protection. So God gave us protection. We were trapped at the Red Sea. The army was behind us. So he gave us the pillar of fire to protect us during the night. Our people rebelled. And so God chose the Levites to be our spiritual leaders. See, every roadblock is met with a solution. We didn't have any water. He gave it to us from a rock. We had no food. Here comes the manna. We have no protein. Here comes the quail. God sends everything we need. That was the verse I read you earlier. Abundantly, in all things, at all times, and in every situation, you will abound. God can do this all day. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any valuables. So the Egyptians gave, gave us theirs. Whatever the roadblock you're facing today, listen to me, friends. God has a solution for this. If you ask him and you let him, he will deliver you as well. God can do this today. He wants to address every situation in our life. Let me give you the second key phrase today. God will address every situation with a solution. If we ask him, and we let him. I'm gonna read that again because I want you to catch all the components of that statement. God will address every situation with a solution if we ask him and we let him. See, it doesn't 
doesn't really fall into God's formula for you to ask him and then try to do it on your own. That's an Abraham problem. That's, a, that's an Abraham, Sarah, Isaac should have been the solution. But Abraham talked to God. He had the problem. He had the solution coming through the promise of Isaac, but he didn't wait. He didn't let God. And so he, he, he developed this Hagar-Ishmael situation when it was supposed to be the Sarah-Isaac solution to the situation. God will address every situation with a solution if we ask him and let him. And you can go back through the Bible. I love to look at patterns, how the patriarchs waited on God, how they let God deliver them in every situation that they were in need of. Joseph was in the dungeon, so God delivered him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace, so God delivered them. Daniel was in the den of lions. He was delivered. David was running from his own son at the point of death. God delivered him, put him back on the throne. Why? Why does God do this? Because the people of God don't waver from their faith in God's realities. Now, the Israelites didn't quite have that luxury because they hadn't seen his realities yet. But once they did, once they saw the deliverance and the plagues and the, and the blood and the death angel and the water open and manna from heaven and the law of God, they, they had this choice. They had the choice to say yes to God. And they did that in Exodus 19, where God said to them, here's a choice I set before you today. I'll be your God, you'll be my people, but here's the agreement. And since that day, friends, when Israel said yes, God has never forsaken his people. He has never forsaken the Jewish people. We have such a specific calling, a blessed calling of God, the nation of Israel, to bring the light of Yeshua to the earth. That's our calling. That's the calling of the Jewish people, to bring the realities of Yeshua to this earth. And we will see that happen. King of Kings wants to be part of making that reality happen according to Romans chapter 11. But the people of God in the Bible, they don't waver in their faith of God's realities because they know and they've seen that God will in fact deliver. We were slaves, God sent a deliverer. Pharaoh said, I'm not letting you go. Well, he got the plagues. We didn't have protection from the death angels, so we had the blood theology given to us by the innocent lamb, foreshadowing that of Yeshua for us. We were trapped at the Red Sea. Not a problem. You have protection with the pillar of fire. What do we do when we, when we have the Red Sea in front of us? Well, God's going to open that door. He's going to open that water. Okay, well, what if the, the enemy army follows us through the Red Sea? Another obstacle, another situation, another challenge. Not hard for God. He has a solution for it if you ask him and let him. So the army's of Egypt follow after the Israelites through the Red Sea. And what does God do? He closes the sea on the Egyptians. You know, that was kind of the formality of saying, your old life is gone. Not only is your old life gone, your old sin, your old slavery, your old bondage, the way of doing things, your old culture, that's gone. But your enemies are being destroyed as well. If it takes a plague, it takes a plague. If it takes the Red Sea closing on the Egyptians, then that's what it takes. If it takes God knocking over Dagon the idol so it bows down to the Ark of the Covenant, so be it. God will, he has, he is, and he will defeat your enemies and deliver his people. And we learned that at Passover. We can go on, water from the rock, manna from heaven, quail from heaven. You know, we had no land, so God gave us 
the good and fruitful land of milk and honey here in Israel. We had no government, so God gave us the Torah, which is really the governing documents of Israel. It's the constitution of Israel. We had no government, so God gave us one. Let me close with this challenge. Friends, during this Passover season, what situation do you need a solution for? What is it? God wants to hear it. God already knows what it is. He wants you to say it. He wants you to confess it for him. What situation do you need a solution for? Are we gonna ask God to help us and then let him help us? James uh, 4, verse 2. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. And our closing verse today, John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if you know anything about the Passover story, you know that that's where it started, that they were slaves in Egypt, they cried out to God, and the verse says that he heard their cry. Same thing John says, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Was it God's will for his people to be in slavery? No. So when they called upon him, he heard their cry, and he moved on their behalf. He delivered them. Friends, is it, is it God's will that we're stuck in sin? No. So as we call on him, he will move on our behalf, he will hear our prayer, and he will deliver us. So as we now are in Passover, we know that we have a week of unleavened bread ahead of us. I want you to really take it seriously, this week of unleavened bread, to get the sin out of our life, to get the leaven out that poisons everything else, because God wants to hear your prayer and he wants to deliver you. So let's let him do it, right? For every situation, God has a solution as long as we ask him and we let him. This unleavened bread season, let's let God take away our sin, which is according to his will. And he does that by the blood of Yeshua the Messiah, the perfect Passover lamb, reminding us that the original Passover, although it was an incredible story, it was really the foundational pattern for salvation itself. We were slaves to sin. God protected us and bought us with innocent blood. He delivered us out of that slavery to a new life. We went through the waters of immersion at the Red Sea like we do today. We go through the waters of the baptism. We leave old Egypt. We're in a new land now. We can't cross back. And we find ourselves submitting at the mountain of God to his authority, his kingship, and his laws. Can I pray for you today? Please receive this as an impartation. Father, in the name of Yeshua, we want to thank you for your God-appointed times. We want to thank you for the Passover and all that it means, unleavened bread and all that it means. We want to take it seriously when we come before you, knowing you want to hear our prayer and you want to move on our behalf. So thank you for the words today. Help us to look forward to this week of unleavened bread and even to look forward to the next holiday that we want to talk about, which is first fruits, the resurrection of Yeshua, our Messiah. Thank you, Lord, that we have a great week full of meaning, connecting with friends and family, sharing your light, sharing your truth, giving you glory in all we do. We pray today in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being part of this word today. Share it with someone else online. Thank you, worship team, for guiding us and getting us to this point. Thank you, 
to our readers who read the Parsha and those that read this week. We thank you so much. And again, stay connected with us. We have so many things coming up, whether it be discipleship class or the academy, ongoing community groups. Please stay connected. Be part of this community in a real and rich way. Chag Pesach Sameach. Happy holidays and happy Passover.